Well, 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 boyos and boyettes, it looks like we are now sitting within a historical moment, a big piece of history now lays itself out in front of us and I guess as always what is suitable for times like this is prophecy so today I'm going to talk to you about some prophecies that are derivative from Carl Jung's works back in 1951 Carl Jung wrote a book called Ion now within that book he laid out a way that you can study history by looking at the evolution of the mind of mankind and from this study he deducted that history has a strange pattern to it it was one of these you know theories of history things and what's so eerie and strange about this is that the next step so each pattern sort of goes in 300 years or so and the french revolution was one for example and it seems like jung suggested the next step for this pattern was on december the 21st 2020 now when i read this book back a couple of years ago i didn't take that too serious you know times were good there was no hint over the horizon that anything serious is going to come but second 2020 rolled around this year well let me put it this way shit hit the fan and that really got my attention it really made me scratch my my little chin it made, made me tickle my boyo noggin and say to myself do you know there could be something to this mad stuff that Jung is talking about so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the basic thesis stripped down to its barest bones to show you how exactly Jung went about figuring this out now the big deal the big big deal is about understanding how people make decisions because if history and we as participants in history mean anything how we are the ones who sort of drive history through our decisions isn't that the case and so you would hope we would hope that because we are rational and we're able to sit down and think things through and make conscious choices that that's what's driving history it's our ability to choose as individuals we choose it's like you know a giant democracy we all vote our way towards the future but of course Jung and Freud came across this eerie thing called the unconscious mind which is very very annoying and um, this suggests that we don't necessarily make decisions we are unconsciously making decisions and we only explain to ourselves what we are doing after the fact it's a weird thing but this is related to how you walk into a store and you eat this big tub of ice cream that you know that's bad for you but you explain to yourself all these rationalizations why it's okay to have it today and that you're going to go harder tomorrow to, to to quit ice cream and all these type of things and so this becomes a quite a very prescient and important thematic issue now if you study the basic experience of human decision making you will actually come very close to that ancient idea of, of having an angel and a devil on your shoulder and again let's go back to this ice cream example what happens is, is that you walk into your shop and you are walking around you're buying lots of spinach that's what I know you boyos are up to you're there filling in gallons of spinach and you can't even push your cart around because there's so much spinach in it but like all of us you are just a little bit weak and you walk past the the ice cream aisle because you're going to get frozen spinach i'm sure and what happens is you you see the ice cream you you catch a glimpse of it and the little little voice in your head starts saying eat the ice cream buy the ice cream you should buy the ice cream but of course you are trying to get juicy you're trying to be healthy you're trying to be fit you're trying to be in shape and so you know that you shouldn't have the ice cream and what will happen is you'll ignore that and it's it's very very interesting this urge will come out of your body and it's almost like a god it will like 
possess the voice in your head and it will have it to jibber jabber to you and make up all these excuses and these rationalizations about why you should do it as i said oh you can you can stop eating ice cream tomorrow or one bit of ice cream won't really help it's like a little devil on your shoulder twisting your hair being like it's okay go for it have the ice cream and you get caught up in a trance you get entranced by this urge you get entranced by this 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 voice and you go and you do it and you reach out to grab the ice cream and as you do it you will notice this you'll get a, another hunch you'll get an intuition you'll get a voice that'll pop out and be like don't do it and this voice will be connected to you know the the bigger picture the more mature perspective in yourself it is your conscience certainly and what's so fascinating about this is that you'll hear this everybody hears this all the time a different voice coming out of nowhere coming out the, the top of your head that tells you not to eat the ice cream but you will choose to ignore it you'll say to yourself i didn't hear that or this little devil that is speaking to you already will be like yes i know your conscience just said that but you don't have to listen to your conscience today today is the exception just take the ice cream now this war is the fundamental secret pattern of all psychology yet again steph has discovered an archetype here i am to announce a new archetype this is the archetype of the conscience it's not like that hasn't been found before and talked about many many times and what i mean by that is that it appears consistently in its same archetypical shape throughout all religions of the past and even in the modern day because when you're in there confronting the challenge of the ice cream you are pressured to make a decision and this dynamic plays out into your head now as i would present it to you as a modern you don't usually have a good explanation um, centered in your worldview to tell you what's going on here you run with this idea this cartesian dualism that you are this blob of consciousness in your head and you just rationally figure out what's going on so when you confront the ice cream in the shop you think that what happens is you look at the ice cream and you think to yourself mathematically calculating there in your head i have eaten four 5067 calories today now that's a very big boil but let's just assume that you're a big boil and you've eaten 5000 calories today and that ice cream is worth precisely 479 calories and so if i eat that tub of ice cream i will go over my target of 5200 calories thus thus i shall not eat the ice cream mind and then you continue to walk away from that experience having made a rational decision now this is the the thesis this is the idea that the entirety of the world is built upon the political system the education system and your relationships with people all of it's built on this but it's completely wrong it's completely not true i am here to start the most radical revolution of all it's all fake it's all wrong it's all bullshit everything is done everything i have fixed everything all right all you need to do is listen to me and i'm going to do it with science as i've done before a thousand times because when you're making a decision it's nothing to do with your ability to calculate how many calories something is it's all to do with your ability to fight urges that's the great challenge you will have a dichotomy a dynamic a war of urges within your mind and you must learn to choose the right urge that's the big challenge and so what will happen is you'll have that urge coming up from your stomach which will possess or entrance your left brain and get you to explain rationalize yourself why it's okay and the left brain as we found a million times before is perfectly competent and making up a bullshit story that is absolutely not in touch with reality 
and it gets possessed. Now, the problem is that if something comes from maybe a lower um, god takes possession of you, that is not necessarily good because you're worshipping a lower god. So what you want to do is you want to be connected with a higher god of sorts. And what's quite interesting is that it seems like you don't have to follow just one god. You don't have to listen to the urges in your stomach. There are other parts in your in your mind in your psyche other archetypes other gods other forces in your psyche that you could listen to you could for example and listen to the best version of yourself as it floats as a disembodied possibility on your shoulder like an angel and says to you if you eat that ice cream you'll get fat and then no girls will want to procreate with you and you won't be able to create the boyo city state like you've been planning and you know this is actually very interesting so it will make you it will make you be prudent it will make you shove aside the ice cream and refrain from going with your impulses it will make you see things in long distance it will make you have a broader perspective on the world and you can imagine that force as a higher dynamic being and the question is where does that come from is that stored in the back of your mind somewhere is that where where like how does that work that is the strangest thing i've ever heard this this unconscious memory or thought or promise to yourself about being something juicy and flashes into your mind at the last moment and says no don't do it now that's a very very interesting thing and i guess i could run with the idea that you're you've got your left brain which is this sort of actor in the world the soldier that rationalizes and explains to itself once it gets an order it'll do what it wants to do and maybe the right brain is like the the port or the dock or the 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 general's room and if you allow yourself to listen to the wrong general, it will it will direct you in the wrong direction. So, so maybe in the general's room, you have like the belly and he sits in there in the corner. You've got a little courtroom and you've got the belly there in the corner and he's always like complaining and moaning. It's like, oh, I just want some ice cream. And if you, the soldier, say, oh, that's my favorite general. I'm always going to listen to that one. It will get stronger and you'll listen to it more. Whereas there might be other generals in that room. There might be other uh, leaders in that room. And some of them might be, for example, the, the best version of yourself, you know, the, the higher version of yourself. And that's a very, very interesting thing because then you can listen to this. But then you have some questions. It's like, well, where does this stuff come from? And what exactly can happen? Like, can any general from anywhere in the world just kind of like kick down the door and just walk into this room, this general's room, and sit down there and take control of the left brain to give orders? Is that possible? And would it be possible for something not necessarily in your mind, but something outside of you to get in your general's room and possess you and lead you? And that sounds like a crazy idea, but it's actually not that crazy at all. Say, for example, this is Freud's idea of the superego. Say, for example, someone walks in and say you're, 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 uh, you're dad or you're, you go to the army. And your drill sergeant is very, very mean and he bullies you into becoming more disciplined. And so what will happen is he will form in your mind as a character, a voice in your head. And so he will be like the, the guy that's speaking to you and you'll feel fear when you go against him. You'll be sitting there and you'll uh, you'll see that your your bed is a mess and you'll feel this urge of fear come up because you're scared that if you don't fix your bed, the general will appear out of somewhere and come and get you. 
which is a very, very scary thought. So he, it's almost like he lives in your mind, causing fear. He's haunting you in some sense. Now, this is a bit of an issue because that means that he, a figure in the outside world, has managed to get in your head and influence your decision makings. That's a very interesting problem. That's kind of strange. And it kind of puts up this idea that you can have characters in your head trying to pull you around and you, the little left brain that is just rationalizing, want to be a good soldier. You don't really know what's going on. All you can do is just listen to whatever is the right one to listen to. And they all have intentions and forces. Now, the people of the ancient world took it one step further, and we're going to talk about this. They believed that sometimes things could come into your mind that weren't just people's ideas they weren't just urges or they weren't just maybe cognitive concepts like the best version of yourself but also disembodied spirits actual gods as they would say now this is a very complicated thing because maybe we would best understand this as an idea or a meme you know, a meme comes into our heads, but this is not necessarily what these things are. They believe them as alive. They believe them like animals, like conscious entities actually trying to influence the world. And they could float into your head and make you do stuff. So, for example, the ancient Greek, like Achilles, he was running around and he was insulted by Agamemnon. And then in came into his consciousness came into his is across from his right brain into his left brain came Athena and she told him the goddess of wisdom and strategy don't do that she was like his conscience in that moment she was like the higher more noble general and of course you and then he obviously had the urge of Ares which is an awful lot like Satan which is just to kill his general in front of him and she was his better sense coming in saying be patient now the Greeks saw these characters as universal forces that visited everybody. Patience visited everybody. Anger visited everybody. The Christians deducted something quite similar. They would believe that you would have the satanic temptations of your urges and then the Holy Spirit would float into your mind out of your, your, your right brain if you wish or out of the general's room and take your ego, take your left brain and tell it to do stuff. Control it in some sense. And this is quite a common position, a well understood idea. You could get possessed by the Holy Spirit at any time in your life and it makes perfect perfect sense when you think about when you make a decision you're there and you're going to reach out for the ice cream and then jesus says don't eat the ice cream or you'll make me cry and then you're like fuck i'm not gonna fucking piss off jesus jesus is a g jesus is a good dude i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make him cry that's the worst and then you pull your hand back and you don't and so then you start to learn quite a lot of things about your temptations and your problems because your problems and your urges are all pulling you to something lower and more decrepit and more ugly whereas this voice that comes in rarely actually has the effect of guiding you in some sense and then this voice wasn't something someone told you but it's almost like some type of disembodied living meme it's like jesus is a meme that lives jesus is a spirit that lives that can enter your body at any point a very interesting thought very very interesting thought now this all has immense relevance to ion and we're going to talk about it now now it is time that we got to Jung's prophecy about what this conscience is and how it relates to history and the destiny of mankind. So what I'm going to show you here is from a channel called Max Derat. I highly recommend you check it out. He uh, does a brilliant series on Ion, a nice short one compared to the long one on this channel. And so pop over there to Max Derat, have a listen to his series. It's very, very concise and convenient. What I'm going to show you today is just a brief section on the one from Nostradamus, which is 
is some very, very interesting stuff. Now, this is a very interesting thesis, but you're going to see where I'm going with this now in a second as we talk about how Nostradamus derives his prophecies. In the last chapter, Carl Jung introduced astrology as a potentially prophetic practice. The conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn, for example, coincided with many important events in the history of Judeo-Christian tradition. In this chapter, Jung addresses one particular astrological prophecy by a man named Nostradamus, arguably the most famous astrologer of all time. I'm sure most of you have heard the name Nostradamus thrown about in your lifetime. For example, somebody might call you Nostradamus if you accurately predicted the winner of a sports match or the direction of the stock market. But beyond this, many people don't really know what Nostradamus is all about. Before we address the prophecy at the heart of this chapter, a little bit of history. Nostradamus was born in 1503 AD, right on the nodal point of 1500 AD mentioned in the last chapter. During his time alive, Nostradamus was a brilliant medical student, spending many years of his life as a successful wandering physician. He was widely known for his courageous treatment of plague victims, for example. His life of achievement was unfortunately complemented, for lack of a better word, by tragedy. The aforementioned plague wiped out everybody in his family, including his wife and two daughters. Despite this tragedy, he continued to fight against major outbreaks of the plague until he settled down in 1547. It was in this year that he began writing what he would be remembered for centuries later, his prophecies. In his most famous book, Le Prophétie, he wrote 942 prophecies. The contents of these prophecies were allegedly produced by astrological projection, by viewing conjunctions of planets <laughs> and the movements of the heavens, and determining what the future held based on this. Jung believed that Nostradamus's projections were complemented by the same force that motivated Wakima Flora in the last chapter. That would be the unconscious. This belief is backed up by biographers of Nostradamus, noting that he would be seized by a maddening fever and that the prophecies would be revealed by the subtle spirit of fire. He would then project the products of his various fevers onto the stars. Now now, this is an extremely consequential position because what we have here is we have a man who is going into a frenzy and then he's beginning to jibber-jabber about nonsense. Now, remember again what we were talking about here where this right brain that can jut in and grab the steering wheel off the left brain and make it do stuff like the way hunger can run in and grab the steering wheel off your mind and make you explain to yourself why you, what you've got to, um, got to eat the ice cream and then this higher, better version of yourself might go in and, and shout at you. It's like, don't eat the ice cream and whatnot. There's this strange war on your mind and this other force from outside your mind that juts in and actually makes you do stuff that's counterintuitive to our idea of like Sam Harris's perfect thesis of the rational thinker, which is completely false and uh, even unscientific, uh, ironically. And then what we've got then is we've got a quite a fascinating issue because 
this Nostradamus, when he goes into this frenzy, he has this frenzy, something happens to them, he goes mad, he gets this information that, that shuttles from the general in his right brain, it shuttles out of his right brain, God knows what's telling him, but it comes out of his right brain. You've heard about people get into trances and, and speak in tongues and they get prophecies, they get magic words, they get magic ideas, revelation as they call it. Of course, this is something that um, poor Al Sam, he would, he would he's probably clicked off this video at this point, he's probably like foaming at the mouth in some type of frenzied revelation we like it's so stupid it's so ignorant it's so wrong and in fact look he might be right but nonetheless Nostradamus called everything he called all my sports bets I'm a billionaire because of that man so I am going to stand up for him here he, he goes into this frenzy and he, he gets this um, information that comes out of this frenzy and so if you want to look at this as reductionist as possible his right brain comes online in like an epileptic seizure and starts to speak its own voice because remember the right brain is unconscious and then um, he takes that information and does something with it now as I was trying to describe here this meta archetype this conception of the of the challenge the war in the human mind between which decision to make do you listen to the angel on your shoulder the devil the conscience or your temptations whatever and um, this architecture needs to be explained by every civilization you need a religion or a mythology or a worldview to explain it we don't have a good one our one is quite terrible because we've got you know that idea that you're a rational individual and so this is because of this false thesis that we're a unified rational individual we get false theses such as the true nature of psychosis schizophrenia these various things now i know that's a very very naughty and dangerous thing to say so obviously you don't take any advice from me i'm just a boyo a crazy irish disembodied voice in the internet I'm not even real lads I'm coming from the astral plane so forget about everything I said but nonetheless this is what's coming on and so what happens is Nostradamus has this psychotic break and all this stuff comes out of his mind and he's like what's going on what's going on and so what he does is he projects it he spits it out onto the onto something in his worldview now he could have spat it out onto Christianity and he would have been those people who would have walked around and said God spoke to me or God an angel came to me and spoke through me maybe like Joseph Smith or something like that. that that's the I think he's the Mormon guy and so that's an example of someone who probably went through something like this and um, Nostradamus instead choose, chose astrology so what he did is he he had all this stuff that came out and he he spat it he he took it and he ordered it by putting it onto astrology a framework that was already there a worldview that was already there to help him explain things to help him explain what is happening to him now this is incredibly significant because when you go through a crazy experience when something happens to you you're going to default to a worldview that suits you if you have a depression or something like that you're going to default to the scientific status quo explanation for what that is now that's actually got a very bad track record but that's still where most people go because it's the culture we've grown up into so this is why they go for um, huge doses of drugs and stuff like this instead of maybe looking at more uh, lifestyle choices to support that let's let's say and and there's still kind of issues with that because when you go through a proper psychosis and um, it's very very scary I've like I've spoken to a huge amount of people now at this point who've gone through nervous breakdown psychosis and schizophrenic breaks get so affected all the, the jargon comes up and con consistently the issue is the fear the fear that there's something broken in them about their brain and that they're broken forever and that people are going to ostracize them and that experience where they ended up in hospital is this great source of humiliation now it's a very very interesting thing but of course people in the past might have saw that as slightly different I don't want to idealize it because of course if you grew up in a Christian community people might say you're possessed by demons 
But others might say you're possessed by the Holy Spirit or by angels or something like that. Same in pagan times. There was a rigmarole to kind of interpret that that was perfectly appropriate and probably perhaps more suitable, perhaps a free healthcare system that is, is built as opposed to demanded. Now, what's so fascinating about all this is that as you project this this content up onto the unconscious, up onto the sorry the the worldview, the framework for understanding the world, your 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 um your your rational schema, your your collective schema, whatever whatever's going on, the paradigm of intellectual thought that helps explain to you what's going on with your mind, and um, you have a very serious problem because it's not your rational ego that is projecting that stuff out onto it it's not your rational ego that's talking it's probably closer to the part of your mind that dreams now that's a very weird thing but think about it what happens maybe when you go in this epileptic trance is that this controlling thinking ego rational left brain whatever you want to say it it sort of doesn't have control anymore and something else takes over and makes it do stuff and makes it and makes it talk for it it, it, it projects its energy out onto something and then you sh you shuttle that up onto something like astrology now if you do this long enough throughout history you start to get a, a, a sort of ideas that if, if if I study all of these people when they went into like a frenzy they went into a psychosis and they produced this speaking in tongues experience or had some type of revelation if I study all these revelations am I reading the biography of the human the collective human right brain talking or something like that which is weird and the same idea is if you read everybody's you know biography itself like you know thomas jefferson's uh, story about himself and all this type of stuff you're hearing like the left brains take you read him and all the famous figures throughout politics you get that type of sense of history and if you read you can almost like read the two of them side by side now this is quite quite common what we do is we we actually would believe that you could probably look at um astrology or christianity or the various revelations these people have and be like yeah there's the the delusions of humankind but we're shedding that off in favor of the more rational understanding but of course this modern science of left brain right brain has pointed out to us quite inconveniently that the right brain is more in touch with reality than the left brain now that becomes extremely problematic because the, the right brain talks in frenzied emotional almost like movies or pictures very close to that idea that idea of visions and so nostradamus was having visions coming from the part of his brain perhaps that is more in touch with reality and he projected some ideas out into the future and perhaps there's something in this that we should pay attention to perhaps the sort of collective supercomputer in the right side of our heads is um not not entirely wrong about everything it's a weird thought now i want to give you some examples of how this stuff has popped up how this stuff has popped up through history this is not actually a, an unusual thing at all you can imagine that this is this this when this right brain comes online and gives re revelationary information almost like the way a dream does to people that is actually functional and useful they they would very very quickly think of it like back in the past before we perhaps knew all the signs they would think of it like a, a voice a, a vision a, a description coming from god god is speaking to us and guiding us god is speaking to me and guiding me muhammad was spoken to by allah and allah guided him to create the Quran and and he when Muhammad was um doing works in the world and he came into a crisis he would spend time with his mind and he'd have another revelation this part of his mind he was probably really connected to it he had the the vessel towards the 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 the, the world open 
And it's a very, very interesting idea. Why do you think that perhaps, <laughs> I'm going to lose, Sam Harris is going to unfollow me on Twitter now, but perhaps at the center of reality is some type of intelligent force ordering everything like the way there's an order in music and your right brain can get possessed by it and you can talk its will to yourself and maybe other people around you it could happen you don't really know the christians understood this is the holy spirit when you had these moments of frenzy and revelation it was the holy spirit when you got possessed by something it was well hopefully the holy spirit the better part when the right general came into your mind it was the holy spirit that was talking but the bad general was the temp tempting demon or satan at the bottom of it for example after jesus died saint stephen namesake the eponymous champion here, St. Stephen, he was scared because he was a follower of Christ, but everybody who followed Jesus was getting the crap kicked out of them. They were getting killed. And he was worried because the, the, the Jews in, in Palestine at the time were killing the, the, the Jesus following Jews. And so they're like, Woof, don't be following there, don't be following Jesus there, you mad you madman. But St. Stephen did. And what happened is they decided to stone him. And uh, uh, during his trial, he was nervous and he was told to trust that the Holy Ghost would come to him at the right moment. And while he was in court, suddenly he was possessed by this frenzied thing and this emotion ripped up out of him and spoke through him and condemned them all. An awful lot like what happened to Socrates. He just called them all out. He ripped them a new one. And he said, you're all fakes. You're all liars talking about your Messiah. He came and you killed him. And now you're going to kill all of us for believing that too. And that's a fascinating thing because it's like what's happening there because this man was probably one of the first martyrs in history the first spiritual being first men possessed by the holy spirit and confronting the 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 the, the power sticking sticking it to the power the first anarchist the first revolutionary now that's a fascinating thing because again it's he allowed himself to get possessed by a general and he allowed it probably to take over and speak through him that was the language he allowed the whatever came into his right brain at that moment the signal was coming from somewhere else and it moved him to say stuff that was very very relevant and strangely he became a one of the most important per people in all of history and there's this sort of sense that continues through christianity that this holy spirit appears in history all the time through our right brain like a dream and guides many really important people towards certain ends that almost collectively seem to be like steering history somewhere that's a weird thought for example jesus himself spent quite a lot of time talking to god if you read through the bible john he's constantly talking about the holy spirit he even says that so much is that you can deny me but don't deny the holy spirit that's some very interesting stuff now i'm not sure if that's necessarily what he says i'm going to get the christians are going to beat the crap out of me i'll have to have sam harris on one side pulling my arm off the christians on the other but it's along those lines anyway and this constantly shows up it just shows up uh, quite a lot isaiah had his visions nietzsche and zarathustra very very famous where this vision for this 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 wise old man character jutted into his mind and started to speak for him in response to the get death of god young goes through a massive psychotic break where this this spirit he calls his anima comes and guides him into his unconscious which underneath has more of these generals various generals he can interact with the forces in underneath his mind martin luther the man who did the protestant reformation he refused to deny his conscience in the face of the church in the face of the courts and that's why the reformation happened napoleon was guided by a diamond 
a demon, uh, a voice in his mind, a, a spirit in his mind, a Holy Spirit perhaps. And when he stopped listening to it, that's when he began to start losing. Descartes, the man who came up with this conception of the, the, the mind-body dualism, as we say, that people kind of took in the wrong direction, he was the man who sort of set the paradigm for the scientific mind. And Descartes had the idea to do this, to, to go with this sort of very rational, left-brained attitude towards the world, after he was visited by an angel. And the angel said to him, nature shall be conquered through the use of number and measure. Now, all of this stuff is absolutely fascinating because you can see how these revelationary experiences tilt history. They tilt thinking. They tilt people's lives. They're big deals. Jung said that his experience with the Red Book was as significant, the, probably the most significant thing that ever happened to him and became the foundation from which he understood all the rest of his life and came up with all of his, all of his theories. And so on some level, you have to attribute what happened, like the value contained in Jung's work, to this revelationary experience at this critical period during 1913 and 1918. These are essential things to understand, and they're not easy to dismiss. Nietzsche had the same approach towards his Zarathustra, as he said. He felt Zarathustra was something that came to him and gave him something impeccably valuable. That he could now offer to the world and he was immensely proud of what he had achieved there and it was something that he felt that the rest of his life he spent writing beyond good and evil genealogy morals all that stuff that was just sort of explaining iterations on what zarathustra might have mean he saw zarathustra as a flash of truth and so this holy spirit enters into us this um force enters into us and seems to like niggle and naggle history in certain directions and people like Nostradamus they have this strange thing where they have these frenzies and they get presented with information that they take to certain conclusions that suggest very interesting things connected to astrology now I know this is really 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 jumping to a conclusion but you can imagine that astrology is like this sort of shared notebook of the human species what does that mean well you know if I if I have a revelation I'm going to scribble it down onto paper that's the way I remember it but of course paper wasn't always a thing not everybody could write and before we had paper the most stable thing in the world was the damn sky and so what we do with the sky is that when we'd have one of these frenzied experiences, when we'd have a revelation, like Zarathustra pops up, for example, Nietzsche scribbled it down, but I can't, I can't write down Zarathustra if I'm like a, a caveman itching my armpits running around wherever. So what I do is I project it up into the sky. I paint it onto the sky. I say, see that, see that little constellation there? That's boyo. That's um, uh, a query, a query boyo or something like that. And all these little constellations, I give them names and they become the gods. They become the, the place where I store information, the living um, places where the stories come from. And if you focus on them, it's almost like a, I've said this before, it's almost like a folder up on a desktop on the world and you can click on that folder. You know, you click on the constellation of Hercules or um, Aries or, or, or whatever. And out of that will come the, the story. And it's like you're unpacking a memory in that type of sense. 
and you're using this shared canvas in order to interpret the world and of course sailors sailing around would have had this would have known the stars intimately and this becomes fascinating because knowing the stars is essential for stuff like time all of this stuff starts starts to layer up as well you know like understanding time and conceptualizing time is a very very radical revolution and it's all stored in the stars and so there's something very ancient and deep in humanity where we use the stars in order to conceptualize the idea of history of like our story of what's going on and obviously all these big characters like Zarathustra and the anima and the various powers that, that come out of our right brain frenzies and we store them up above us in the sky as the gods as the the super stories that are dictating who we are and telling us what's going on in the world our projections of our felt experience into something bigger with a bigger perspective of course the right brain is known to have a bigger perspective than the left brain this becomes absolutely fascinating because it's almost like this realm of the gods above us that we can study and understand and predict things going on and of course we eventually made the leap where we started to assume that the the active moving planets which means sort of wandering stars the the active and moving planets like saturn and and jupiter well of course who, who are saturn who's jupiter they're gods they're who's mars it's a god what is venus it's a god they're they're actual living forces moving around and Saturn and Jupiter, for example, they dictate quite a lot about the nature of history. And so is, has there been some sort of some sort of projection onto the stars about where history is going to go? Are we using the stars as like this framework or this model to, to understand where history is going to go? It's all very, very weird stuff. But I'm going to talk to you about some of the conclusions that Jung came to that are quite frightening. So how is any of this stuff relevant to you? It sounds just like nerd finicky pooping around, like, oh, cool, like interest in books and all this Nostradamus and all this. But it's nothing of real consequence, is it? Actually, I'm here to surprise you because I've been punching democracy in the belly. I've been getting all you boyos to hold its arms back and I've just been going ham at its liver and at its spleen um, angrily and, and viciously being like, shut off rationality. I've been getting I've been getting Sam Harris and I've been like belly slapping him until his his, his belly goes red and he, he cries out in tears and he's like, reason save me, come save me, mathematics come save me and whatnot. But in fact, there is something profound about the individual's choices that are quite fascinating and important. You see, individuals most certainly do tilt history. Now, certainly some tilt history more than others, but I think this sort of general state of the collective mind could be seen as an amalgamation of millions of individuals. And how they make decisions in their day-to-day -day life is actually incredibly important, because if you have a population who listens to their conscience and doesn't buy the ice cream, you will tend to get a very healthy population, which will make stuff like healthcare cheaper, which will make stuff like um, everything better. They'll be more clear-headed, they'll make more healthy decisions, they're le less likely to be uh, crazy and angry and all this type of stuff. They'll just be in a lot better of a shape. But if you have a population that's constantly eating ice cream, constantly in despair because they're inflamed, constantly having mental disorders because they've got terrible gut rot, which is where 95% of their serotonin 
Ireland comes from and influences things like depression and wage slaving in dark rooms where they don't get any sunlight you're going to have a very very fallen species and that's going to turn history in a certain direction that is not necessarily where we want to go I, I guess unless you're trying to uh, destroy a people or something like this and so um, the choices that individuals make is huge now on a, on a, on a personal level the, the great war that the individuals have against the system or the forces above them or even the people above them in power is that they do have to often stand for their conscience and what is difficult and scary as opposed to what is programmed into them via the the, the 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 voices from outside the world think about that drill sergeant who tells you to shut up and sit down that makes you afraid but what if the drill sergeant is doing something wrong or is tyr tyrannically oppressing you sometimes you have to listen to your conscience and say stand up and fight even if it's going to cost you your life or stand up and speak out like saint stephen did or jesus christ did something like that that is the virtue of listening to this holy spirit inside your head this voice coming in from inside your head and you'll notice that some of the most tyrannical regimes of all precisely try to wage this war here you know the it seems like stuff like perhaps the soviet union and whatnot were orchestrated towards getting people to distrust their conscience to actually invalidate their conscience to lie about their conscience you were supposed to see things that were absurd and agree with them even though your conscience would say to you that's bullshit that's not real and that was the way that they controlled you it was the ultimate form of conquest because they conquered your soul and they made you love big brother as uh, as george orwell talked about at the very end he he broke the person to make him say certain things that weren't true now this is a very 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 interesting problem because as you're going through history the great great moments where the conscience comes in and influences things tilts things in a certain direction you know you have the romans and the greeks and imagine a general like julius caesar and his his um his wife says to him i had a dream last night and it said don't go to the senate and of course julius caesar heard that and maybe his conscience said to him don't go to the senate but he ignored that and he ended up getting stabbed and then that turn history in a certain direction but did it really influence history that much i'm not sure god's plan might have gone on anyway because augustus rose up as emperor the thing they were trying to stop jesus christ is the same he could have just went along with the crowd but instead he decided to die for what he his connection with the lord and this led him to be the most significant figure to ever live each germanic king as they were conducting themselves in the world they probably had these moments of crisis where they sat down and it's like should i keep fighting should i keep building or should i uh, should i cry and, and and run off and ignore or something like that but of course maybe that conscience came to them and led them to do certain deeds that were quite significant just like we're talking about with all these people here like descartes and napoleon and martin luther and all this type of thing this happens to everybody this is a constant presence throughout your life and you can kind of see it as there's this strange movement to history of some sort it's like the kind of collective right brain can see what's going on and it moves down and tilts you in the right direction tries to get you on what you might say is the right side of history that was the sort of experience of jesus christ is when christianity came in everybody's conscience started to update to christianity everybody started to see the holy spirit as opposed to maybe the old pagan gods and it seemed like that was the wave of history as it was going and in some sense it was probably best for you to get on board with that because if you didn't some german king might have came in and genocided your little village for being pagan and that becomes a bit of an issue because then you're kind of thinking to yourself what is the what is the truth what is the wave of history where is it going what 
do I get on board with? What do I update myself with? Where, wh- how do I understand myself? What do I listen to? What is real? What is my conscience? Um, uh, in, for example, in Christianity, the, the old god of frenzy, Odin, was slowly demonized into the devil. And so when Odin or whatever Odin was supposed to represent would pop up into that, that the courtroom and speak out and people, the left brain of people had learned to push him out of the way and say, no, he is wrong. He's evil. He's bad. But of course, a thousand years ago, they would have seen that as being visited by God himself. Such a radical change. And so all of this brings us to very, very interesting ideas because as the, as the, this is the collective unconscious of mankind changes, it changes how we make decisions. It changes what we follow. It changes what we obey. And for you, when you're sitting there in your crisis mode asking yourself, what is my purpose? What do I do with my life? What do I trust? What do I follow? You, in some sense, are making this choice. You were saying to yourself, what would be the better version of my life or the better version of myself I'd have to become to fill that slot? And whatever you choose will dictate what that means, what that is. If you choose freedom, then you're going to get on board with, you know, the God of freedom, liberty, perhaps, or something like that. Now, that has some serious consequences because maybe Jesus isn't necessarily the God of freedom. He might be, might be the more the God of, of, of truth or righteousness. And are these things the same thing? It's it's hard to know. And you've got to be, be careful. What, what are you worshipping? Maybe you choose another God and it's something else. You choose the God of pleasure and it brings you in a certain direction. You choose the God of, 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 of cheating and lying and being mis- mis- mischievous and it might bring you in a certain direction. And all of them could bring you into various forms of success and you get led in a certain direction. But I guess the big question we have are what are the active forces in the world that are driving history? In some sense, if we were able to look up to the sky and look at what everybody is kind of shooting up as like the canvas, painting on the canvas to tell us what's what's active, what's going on in history right now. Think about that that um, that bo- uh, the video I made about Makina. That was perhaps me going through that experience and kind of throwing something up to stick to the sky for people to look at. In, in the same sense, what would we sort of see? What would be up there and what would we see? And what, what would be kind of pushing? What, what way would the world be going? And of course, what Jung noticed is that eerily, there's this pattern where things were very, very um, Christian in the first millennium. And according, almost like the Revelations idea, but in the our millennium, which we're coming to the end of, the second millennium um, was that was very very anti-christian so it's if he looked up in the sky and looked at all the the memes sorting themselves out in the sky you'll know that old idea of christ versus antichrist and and all these things going on and he noticed that this sort of antichrist energy was was getting stronger now what is the antichrist energy well of course the antichrist energy is actually premised on this idea of Christ isn't really there or real. This idea of there's like a spiritual conscience that floats into your mind and tells you stuff. Nah, that's not real. The Antichrist is, I guess, more about there's only really the material world. There is no spiritual world. Now think about people like Nietzsche, you know, the prophet of the modern age. He wrote a book called The Antichrist. He was very, very much into that sort of taking things from a more reductionist perspective. Think about the kind of wide generalized idea that is popular right now. The sort of scientific thesis, the the Cartesian mind, the idea of Newtonian physics explaining the world and all these type of things. This is 
shall we say, the Antichrist perspective. It is anti-Christian. Anti-Christianity is a very popular thing right now. And it seems that when we sit down and we try to ask ourselves, what is our purpose? Maybe a Christian would have said, my purpose is to get on board with God's plan and let the Holy Spirit speak to me through my conscience and let that make decisions for me. But now we have something slight slightly different whereas when we sit down and we say to ourselves well what do i do with my life what is my purpose what is going on and we listen to our we listen to that conscience we listen to that that the, the better sense the reason inside of us we hear a different voice we hear a different idea it's it's like follow your bliss it's not about you know getting on board with god's plan and humbly sacrificing yourself towards something greater than yourself it's about you know going and finding yourself it's about going and enjoying the pleasures of the world it's going you know living for the day carpe diem it's like going about building up a a, a youtube channel or, or an instagram profile and all this and there's this great idea that you follow your passion and you become an individual and that's actually some type of redemptive power you achieve over the world this is some type of uh is some type of good and this is the sort of general thought that we're going to go and we're going to build the technology that's going to lift us out of this fallen state we're going to build the the as we say it's going to build a perfect drug that makes all mental illnesses go away we're going to get inside and rearrange our matter and that's going to make all of our thoughts clean and pure we're going to construct social organizations that are going to tweak out the negative parts of human nature it's going to fix us entirely and all of this fallen and materialistic and un um, i should say anti-conscience anti-holy spirit perspective is actually very very powerfully close to what we might understand is the true nature of the antichrist and it's not that kind of scary guy who walks around in horns but it's much closer to something that despiritualizes the world and young noticed that this was the sort of a zeitgeist of the time it was something where we 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 lose this ability to believe in the unconscious or the part of ourself that speaks to the unconscious, maybe the self itself, maybe Big G himself for all we know, and we become fallen beings. We become beings trapped in our rational thinking, sorry, rationalizing and thinking ego, our chatterbrain ego that isn't really good at guiding itself. And we become very prone to people being able to, like Edward Bernays, being able to slot in to your right brain and talk to you with sexually lustrous images and unconscious imagery and sublimity messaging and get you to do the things that he wants to do you become a puppet on the string of some type of social engineer a propaganda master like Edward Bernays and all of this stuff becomes kind of frightening because you think about what it all kind of concludes to and it's the ultimate falling of the idea of the individual as something divine and it turns the individual into a piece of robotic meat that can be programmed in whatever direction is necessary in order to achieve the ends which are always strangely humanistically trying to save humanity from the fallen nature of the world one of those beautiful and um, communist paradoxes that you often found in the soviet union you know and as george orwell said all men are equal some men are more equal than others that type of idea and the perfect example of this is the social credit system over in China because it's one of those things that rewards quite a vast number of people and it is actually quite good for social order and you can kind of see the justification for it but it's kind of strange in how it works because it is something that's crafting a conscience inside the Chinese man. As they're going about their day, what will happen is if they do something that's socially degenerate, like say they drink too much or they don't put out their bins or they, they, may, you know, they do something sloppy and lazy, 
they will lose social credit scores and that will lose them privileges such as maybe traveling eventually and whatnot. And these are all very, very difficult and problematic things because then your life becomes harder because you're not participating in a game. You're not being a good member of the society. Now, this is all really, really difficult stuff because as you're going out into society, trying to participate in society and trying to live your life, if you have this social credit system floating in the technological, you know, with all the cameras all around you and you know it's there, it's like this drill sergeant in the back of your mind that's sort of telling you what to think. It's making you, you fear it, it, it juts in. You go and you want to eat the ice cream and you're going to reach out the ice cream and you kind of think, oh God, no, if I eat that ice cream, I'll lose my social credit score. And so what's slowly getting built into you is that your conscience is no longer connected to, shall we say something, spiritual like they would have had before the high principles the super stories held up in the sky these really big ideas about what it means to be a human and what our story is all about and how special you are and how divine you are and how to access your higher creativity and connect with shall we say something bigger than yourself like big god it's not that at all instead it's the fear that you will be quantified and lose dots on your digit score and lose privileges in your life you are getting trained you're getting possessed through your conscience by a machine now that becomes very very fascinating because if you think about all this idea about artificial intelligence coming around and all this type of stuff and the artificial intelligence is going to be like a replacement god it's going to be a smart lump of matter it's going to be a living lump of rock a living lump of metal which comes from rock metal is just distilled minerals what you're going to start to get is this sort of conscience this this super intelligence that is able to you know for example in china is this the sort of thing that is watching you at all times when you go about your day you're walking about your day and you go to reach the ice cream and you know that there's eyes all around you there's cameras up in the corner there might even be cameras on your watch you might even have an, a contact lens that's watching that's seeing everything you do when you should go to reach the the ice cream but then you say no because i am being watched and i will be punished because it sees everything and suddenly this conscience that was once connected to to the astral plane has now fully manifested in the real world and is now controlling you absolutely the idea of free will would be absolutely eradicated forever if you're not careful it's a very difficult problem you have free will within the playpen i guess but not necessarily within the whole game and that's a scary thing because once something like that gets instantiated what does that mean to, about being human? Because at that point, you don't necessarily belong as an individual anymore. You're sort of a mitochondria within the consciousness of the artificial intelligence. Now, this is all very, very scary stuff because what you might lose from this is the ability to make decisions. And that has some drastic consequences because if you don't make your decisions, can you really say you're free? And this is where this very interesting paradox kind of hits you because you say to yourself, you know, if my conscience was spiritual, if my conscience was attached to something astral and I was guided by my choices and it was up to me to decide, do I follow God's plan or not? Instead of something that was real heavy in the world and stable and you were sort of attached to until it crumbled and died, until that civilization that built that war away and, and disintegrated as all civilizations do, you are essentially losing your ability to be free. Your destiny gets tied to this thing. And in some sense, you kind of understand why something like 
Jesus might say this idea that he through him you achieve freedom because if your conscience goes up to him that means your conscience does not go to anything else and anything else that takes your conscience puts you in a position of subservience you are bowing at its knees now what I find quite frightening about Jung's idea is that he traced the evolution of these ideas suggesting that there's sort of peaks and boundaries so obviously Jesus appearing in 0 AD was a big deal that was a big point and that was actually sat at a conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn and then the Protestant Reformation came at a certain point that was quite similar and he noticed that on the 2020 on December the 21st 2020 so that's this um, Christmas was one another one of these massive conjunctions which he looked at as possible indicators that we're going through a significant cycle of history and the the cycle of history we are currently a part of is he described the coming of these type of uh these these type of materialistic perspectives and since he has said this in the 50s it is manifest so vividly and clearly in a lot more detail since he said that in the 60s people have got radically more anti-christian people have got radically more fascinated with the idea of creating um, intelligent machines that will give us immortality and raise us out of the fallen world christianity has nearly been replaced in many intellectual spaces by techno utopianism and whatnot and you wonder what we are shuttling towards is this one of those situations where we're going to have to make a choice about our ability to make choices in the future is this going to be the end of choice or a war for choice what is going to happen what happens in this darkest hour is this going to be our confrontation with the antichrist with the heaviest most materialistic and fallen force to ever exist it's a very scary thought is this what he's hinting towards i don't know i'm just a boyo i have no conclusions to derive from this i have no suggestions at all of what my, this might mean but i certainly think it's an interesting way of thinking and nonetheless the most important thing is that between now and then in your last months of freedom before the antichrist comes and eats you up i suggest that you don't eat the ice cream. You work a little bit on getting your conscience better at listening to the Holy Spirit inside you that doesn't eat the ice cream and become juicier and stronger. That's my tip. And so lastly, if you would like me to be the voice inside your head guiding you throughout this world, screaming at you not to take the ice cream in order to you, for you to launch yourself up to your better self, I recommend you pop down to the link in the description below and book a one-on-one -on -one session and we will chat and I will be the disembodied Irish voice being like, don't do this and do do this. I will, I will tell you, I will give you your social credit score. I will be the artificial intelligence controlling you, controlling your destiny until the end of time so if you're interested in that i recommend you check down below and if you would like to support me or get an access to a string of very interesting nietzschean podcasts i recommend you pop down to the podcast and um, the the patreon replacement below that will be in the link description as well and all that stuff will be there allowing you to achieve levels of juice never seen on this earth never seen at all so thank you very much for your time people i hope you are well i'll talk to you later stay juicy and have a good one